Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Combinate Podcast. I'm your host, Subi Sade. On this episode, I wanted to bring Michelle Law on to talk about the EUMDR extension that was recently formalized by the European Commission and what it means for industry. If you'd like to hear more about Michelle, you can check out the last episode that I did with her, um, which is called The Five Stages of Regulatory Grief. Check out leanraqa.com or Michelle's podcast, the RAQA Today podcast. If you like this episode, please give it five stars on whatever platform you're listening on. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Michelle. You're listening to another impactful episode of the Combinate podcast, the show where we drive for quality in everything, because quality is everything. I'm your host, Subi Sade. I've been working on medical devices, pharmaceuticals, and combination products for the last 10 years, and my goal is to understand. Each week, I sit down with leaders to understand and bring together medtech and biotech in order to examine the roadblocks and development and access we face and bring to light concepts and tools from our industry and others to help address those. Thank you for joining me, and I hope you enjoy this episode. had a meeting with the EU Council where they put together a proposal to e extend MDR again until 2027 for, I believe it's the class two A and B products and 2028 for the class three. Off the top of my head, I might have reversed those two, but 27 and 28 is the new dates that they're proposing. Industry got really excited thinking that it's a delay, but it, it's really an extension with a lot of caveats and limitations. It's not going to be the, the boon or that it's not like an actual extension of the dates, if you will. Can you, can you elaborate on that? So, you, so you're saying there's a, there's a, there's a distinction between delay and extension. I, I think in the way that, that industry is perceiving it, I think industry, industry, especially the people who haven't taken any action on MDR because they, they're like, oh, this is going to get delayed. It's going to get delayed. Well, this really isn't a delay. It's an extension of dates for the people who have actively been moving towards MDR. And because of notified body capacity constraints, were not able to get their certificates extended. So there's two different pathways that you can go to get your certificate extended to these 2027, 2028 dates. But oh, they, it's not it's not automatic. No, no. And that's what I think people are misunderstanding about this and thinking it's it's a blessing, but it it's it's really not. If you haven't done anything, you're not going to get anywhere underneath the, these options that, that they're giving industry. So I'm, I'm not the, the, the EU MDR expert, but in the EU, is it, is it a situation where there's establishment licensing and device licensing? Not so much, but every country, you have to get your overarching CE mark. 
And then every country has different registration and listing requirements, not, not establishment registration like you're, you're thinking, but in-country device listings. And what's odd about it is for most countries, it, they require you to list the class one self-certified products, not the class two or three products. But that, that's a little different in each country. So, so the C mark alone is not enough. Yeah. And so when, when you're saying it's not an automatic extension to the licenses, which, which license? To the certificates. To that the certificates. Sorry. Sorry. Certificates. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. And so um, you said that they, they met in December. I, I remember seeing something about MDCG maybe and, and some high level, but it wasn't fully endorsed or something like that. Oh. What, where, what, can you what plug was, the holes in that? Yeah. <laughs> What is ironic about that is that while they were making the speech in the, the council, at the same time, MDCG released this guidance document that opened up the provisions they were talking about in the speech, particularly the one that they opened up in December It is the second one. We'll talk about the first one in a minute, but it gave manufacturers a pathway to submit to the competent authority, which is a level up from a notified body in Europe. Every country has one and it's like the in-country FDA, if you will. Mm -hmm. So now manufacturers in the country where their authorized representatives are based can put together a special package and there is a template of all the documents that are required for that package in that guidance document you just mentioned. I, I think the number is 2012-18 and they, they can put together this package of all these documents, submit it to the competent authority and the competent authority can grant them extension. But they have to be able to prove a handful of factors that they have transit evidence that they've transitioned their quality system to the MDR requirements. Evidence that they have made basically ample, like they used a particular word that was really loaded. Like, like what does that even mean? Like that they have contacted an ample number of notified bodies and have been unable to get a notified body contract or that they have a notified body contract, but their notified body, they don't have a contract with their notified body. So they're, they're two different criteria. And the second criteria has four, three or four qualifying points to it. And you have to be able to show documentation that you have fulfilled all of those criteria. And, and that's why you don't have a, a notified body and a CE cert yet. It's, you have to prove that it's on the capacity of the notified body. Hmm. I guess before we move on, I have two questions. The first one is, can you talk about the relationship between the EU Commission and MDCG? So the MDCG is an independent group that it's the medical device coordination group. And they're, they're independent and they come together and they make guidance documents that are basically a recommendation to a variety of stakeholders. It could be industry, it could be the council, it could be notified bodies. But the guidance documents, you know, 
not unlike here in the U.S. where they say that their guidance and reference and not regulation, but good luck if you're not going to follow them. If you're not going to yeah. follow them, you have to go above and beyond um, or prove how they're not relevant to your product. Got it. Okay. So is it is it like an Amy ISO relationship or is it different? No, it's kind of like the independent guidance document. So so what you just said is a little bit more like in the U.S., a consensus standard and yeah. in the, the EU, a harmonized standard. So this yeah. is the step down from the recognized standards. And these are the agency issued guidance documents that are usually topic specific. So as MDCG is as part of the EU commission? or it's a completely separate it's industry completely, group? It's completely separate, not an industry group. It, 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 I believe it is a group of regulators. Okay, okay. So, so yeah. then that, that, that clarifies it. Uh, yeah. the, the, the second question is, do you know, maybe you don't know, I certainly don't know, what, the, the numbering in the EU, because you said 2012-18 or something like that. How are those numbers, like what do they mean? Other than the year, I believe it's actually cons consecutive. Like eight, it's the 18th guidance document that they've either issued this year or issued total. Uh huh. Okay. So so the so then the the going back to the 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 two pathways. One is for them to submit directly to the competent authority. Correct. Which which and circumvents the notified body, which is currently not entirely. You know, not, yeah, entirely. not entirely because they have to be actively there that this this caveat at best will only give you another 12 months unless you have a special case that that they give you more than 12 months which means you pretty much already have to have a relationship with a notified body and a certificate that's under review because the reviews are taking 12 to 18 months Mm. Are you are you following my math here? Yeah. It's you're not saying like, you're saying it's not like it's not like you're going to submit to the competent authority and hear back tomorrow. You're not going to hear back tomorrow, but but even if you heard back in two or four weeks or two or four months, the answer is going to probably be that you can only continue to sell for another year. Oh, they, so it's temporary extensions. It's not it, like okay, you're good till 2027. Exactly. Exactly. So you're good till 2024 and then come back. And it, it, so it's going to be cyclical like that until 2027. The, the, the guidance document is not overly specific about what happens at the end of that 12 months or, or what this case by case criteria would be where they might give you more than 12 months. It's a very short guidance document, and this obviously sounds like a very complicated process. Um, but the the second way that you can get an extension is by derogation from the notified body, which means what, what is that? We you said derogation. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. I had to look it up when I first read it. Like D. I was gonna say that is a that is a school word. Yeah, for sure. And it, it basically means that the they're giving the right to the notified body to choose to extend your certificate. 
And what that would look like would be not only do you have an active contract with a notified body, you have a active technical file review and, at not, and, and an active technical file review means that your technical documentation has been accepted for review and the review is started. Now that's important because over 50% of the technical documentation that has been turned in for MDR to date has been deemed incomplete at the first pass. And so if you were told, if you turn in your technical documentation and you were told it's incomplete and you're off fixing whatever they told you was incomplete, then you're not eligible un until they have accepted your technical documentation and the ball is in their court. I see. So, so I, either way, whether it's pathway one or two, it sounds like the cause of the delay can't be your own lack of effort. It has to be the, the basically the, the, the only reason that you would get an extension is if you've done everything that you should, it's just, you don't have the capacity with, yes. with the notified body. Yep. And so if, if, if you're in a situation where you've tried to contact a bunch and you're getting nowhere with a notified body, you can submit directly to the competent authority. If you've already been engaged with a notified body, they said that it's incomplete and you're working on the remediation activity and resubmitting, then you can also find some something there as well. That's two. That's kind of unclear. If you're in that kind of gray area. In the middle? Okay. Yeah. What you, what you might could do there is say, is submit to the competent authority and say, we're in the process of updating our technical documentation per this discussion with our notified body, but the notified body, the notified body can't give you a derogation. Oh, I see. What I think I need to make like a flow chart out of this. Yeah. I, I saw recently you you put a, a flow chart of ooh. It was a pretty complicated one. It was um, about notified bodies. The mother of all flow charts about that maps out design body. risk and usability. No, no, no. It was about the the client and notified body. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Anyways, you, you, you put out so much stuff you probably forgot. <laughs> I do. I try to do a lot of flow charts, but, but that one, it, it was a good one at one point in time when like a few years ago, when there weren't as many notified bodies that were designated and it was like how you should choose a notified body. So it's still relevant, but what is happening now is that the notified bodies are so inundated with potential customers, that one's flipped. Like now they're just, they have almost a flow chart of how they select you. Are you prepared? Do Are you really educated on MDR? Is your documentation ready? Uh, are you easy to work with? I actually had a notified body say that to me, that we, we look for clients that basically aren't jerks. If you're going to be difficult, we don't have time for that. So, mm -hmm. so it's, it's the paradigm shifted. With the, with the maybe added time, what, what recommendations do you have for people who are trying to learn the EUMDR? 
Oh, goodness. I, you know, I was talking to somebody about a week ago and they said they read it maybe eight times before they oh, okay. got the. Okay. So we're talking it. somebody that has read it and it's like, okay. What now I, I'm finally starting now. Now I'm finally starting to get it. Yeah. And it was, it was like they bled all over it. Yeah. Oh, and, for sure. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of good content content out there with things like Greenlight Guru and Raps and a lot of free content from the notified bodies. And I would I would just eat up, you know, any point that still consternates you. You know, you can find anything from an overarching MDR in general to get right down to specific article training, usually free at, at okay. some of these outlets. Cool. But you know what? A few people have actually read it. So just the person that read it and read it eight times is ahead of the game. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you're mm -hmm. right. I've I've when, when I talked to Deal, he he said his favorite book is EUMDR and something to the effect of every time he reads it, he learns something new. Thank you for listening to the Combinate podcast. If you would like to support the show, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and please share. Please send any feedback you have to combinatepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again.